0: from the top stand. Let me get a track just to make sure What's up, y'all? Welcome welcome yeah, back yeah. to the Lunchtime Fuglery Podcast. Your brought Raheem Dawn, back in the mic. Yeah. And today, I'm joined with two very special guests with me, two business owners. So, if y'all want to go ahead and introduce yourself and say what's up. I'm Javon Green.
1: And I'm Mudlin Green. Yeah, uh, we are the founders and co-founders of Green Love Kitchen.
0: Y'all heard it there. Founders and co-founders of Green Love Kitchen. So we're going to jump in to the interview right quick. Where y'all from?
2: Originally, I'm from uh, Jamaica, but I grew up in New York City. Yeah, I spent most of my years in New York City.
1: I'm originally from Haiti, and then I grew up in New York as well.
0: Y'all are both born on the islands. Yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. See, I have a little con- semi connection with Haiti, being from New Orleans. You know, yes. have that. That history. Creole cockpit. That, the Creole uh-huh. cockpit. <laughs> yeah. Last that name history. is Dunois. Okay. So, okay. You know, you got that Creole vibe Absolutely. on there. Absolutely. You speak a little
2: French every now and then? No, I don't,
0: but my dad does. <laughs> my okay, dad what's does. What's up? Um, I didn't even know
1: that.
0: Yeah, you know, you learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. There you go. But uh, how was upbringing in both well. both y'all in New York? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the,
2: yeah. I'm like South Jamaica, Queens, New York. Shout uh-huh. out to South Jamaica, Queens. That was, um, it was rough, you know, just single parent um, household. Uh, I had several other siblings so we just came up in you know undeserved communities and you know went through public school and you know made the best of the situation but for the most part you know it was fun because we didn't know anything else you get what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so we made the best of what we had and mom worked two jobs and you know just bounced around schools trying to figure out who I was because my father wasn't in you know in my life so yeah yeah that was pretty much my upbringing.
1: And for me, um, I grew up in Washington Heights in New York. So it... got to tell them Washington
2: Heights for those that so, don't.
1: So, okay, Washington Heights is in Manhattan, but it's at the top of Manhattan. So I know
0: no geography in New York, but... Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so I'm,
1: a, I'm a New York City girl. Like, mm. I know the city of Manhattan like the back of my hand. That was my thing. Um, I didn't venture out to much mm. other boroughs. Until I met him in Long Island City. It was at Long Island. Queens, yeah, Long Island. In, in Queens, in, Queens yeah, yeah. in college. So I wasn't the type of person to travel around. But yeah, my upbringing in a Haitian household. We were really religious. I grew up Jehovah's Witness. Um, so it was it was it was great because that's all I knew. But it was also very sheltering. There there was a lot of things that I saw and I've been through. It was a struggle. We were um we were poor. Um, my mom worked all the time. So, yeah, it was a single-family household. My dad would come from Haiti from time to time to say what's up and then leave. So it was it was an isolating experience, but like Javon said, you because you're a child, you don't know anything different. So you're like, yeah. I right, cool, this is what life is. So mm-hmm. it really didn't affect us until we probably got older and realized, oh, that's not <laughs> the way it goes. Yeah, there's so, more to yeah. life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's
2: much more to life, yeah. yeah.
0: So, would you say uh with the upbringing finances was that the main struggle? That's a good question um,
2: i I think a lot of it di start stem from that, right? Just just the idea of like, okay, you can't afford certain things. So I remember like certain Christmases, like mm-hmm. you know my mom had to make a decision should I give you know my my myself, my brother' gifts or my sisters, so my mom would come to us and say, Hey, you know this Christmas, I can't get you any gifts." But don't worry, I got you. And back then, we didn't understand tax refunds, right? Yeah. And that comes after Christmas. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like we would get the gifts after Christmas. But we understood, like we were just one of those. We we, we definitely um, appreciated, you know, everything that my mom did because she worked so hard for us. You know, we saw the hard work and and her determination to make a better life for her children. You know, essentially. So that's why we just, you know, ignored. You know the struggle essentially. We just did the best that we could do, but yeah, I mean, I think from a young age, entrepreneurship has been like the focal point for me. You know, that 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 drive to say, you know, make your own money and become somebody. You know. So I you said. always
0: wanted to just own your business.
2: Not necessarily own, but make money. Just make money. <laughs> make money, and I didn't really uh, equate it to, like entrepreneurship as like a vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. To, you know, attain wealth essentially. Yeah.
1: And I do believe with me, I didn't realize how poor I was because there was a community. So I think because of the, the the Jehovah Witness community, it was like I usually had passed down clothes from people who somewhat had money, who were middle class, and then they were able to you know, pass down some nice clothes to me. So I really mm. didn't see that, OMG, I was really poor. I did see that early on in the years where it was like, we went to I forgot what it was, but it wasn't Goodwill. But we went somewhere to a secondhand Goodwill. store. Yeah, thrift shop. It, yeah, it was, and it wasn't. It wasn't pleasant for me only because, cause now it's a fad, you know, thrift store. You know,
2: everybody, yeah, everybody. Shit. Thrift. But, <laughs> but back then. but back
1: then it was. It wasn't really something that was, you know, cool. You know, everybody coming in from Christmas and they're decked out. We don't celebrate any holiday. Yeah. So. I I didn't. I was like, "Oh, okay." They fresh. They're like, "What happened to you? You don't celebrate Christmas?" And I'd be like, "I don't even know what Christmas is. I don't care if it's Christmas." How was
0: that uh, as a child growing up, Jehovah's Witness and not celebrating? Because don't Jehovah's Witness not celebrate birthdays either?
1: Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Except Nothing. for like
2: the Passover, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's well, it. Memorial. Yeah. They do not it really. Passover. And that's not even a pa- yeah. Yeah, they don't even it's, call it's it a Passover. holiday. No, no, it's
1: not. That's that's principle. You got to do it. And you know, for me, it's it's the same thing with the poverty. In that's all you know. It's mm. really it doesn't bother you. And to, believe it or not, till this day, I think he got it easy because I don't really stress those holidays yeah. the same way everybody else does. I don't want him to celebrate Valentine's Day. Like, let's stack up and take me on a trip by surprise. I yeah. don't I don't need, I really do go in when it comes to my birthday. That becomes a self-reflective day. It's not like, oh, let's go all out and spend money. I did recognize a lot younger that I conceptualized that um, those holidays had a lot to do with spending and I did see the effect that it had on people Mm. I was like oh yeah I see how their parents look so stressed by January only because I in my mind I'm like they just spent a lot of money yeah and these children are walking around and these things are depreciating in my mind I didn't know what that meant but I'm like you stomping on the pavement the dirty New York floor with these new (laughs) kicks Mm. that was like a hundred and ten dollars how is that helping Mm and i was fine with it that's why i never stressed it cuz i was like mm, those clothes are going to be too big the shoes are going to not fit i don't need anything you know i was fine with not having it so it didn't really stress me but like i said early on in in my story <coughs> in like grade school and junior high i kind of felt that poverty so you know just like him i started you know i saw that what was it baseball cards like the boys were selling, were, were really hyped on baseball cards. Yeah. So what I did was I went to the stationery store and I brought like two packs of them. And I started selling them for 25 cents. So I think I brought the pack card. for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And it was like 10 cards in there. Was it moving? And I, I sold out every day. I sold Is out it? every day. But then I didn't have to ask my mom for lunch money because she was only able to give me 50 cents.
0: All right. So I'm, I remember that you, you mentioned that y'all met at school. So which school did you go to?
1: So we met at uh, LaGuardia Community College.
0: LaGuardia Community College. Why did mm-hmm. y'all go to LaGuardia? Like, what what degree were y'all pursuing? I was in school for business.
2: Mm-hmm. I was actually in school for business, and it was uh, the cheapest school you know that I could afford.
0: And short.
1: for me, I didn't have any interest in going to college, so I registered for college very late. And I was um, living abroad in Europe, so by the time I got back from Europe, it was way too late. I graduated um, college, uh, high school early, so as a gift, my mom sent me to Europe.
0: Okay. So I was just about to ask, like, why are you in Europe? Yeah. So it was a
1: <laughs> gift, and it was, um, it was, a Jehovah Witness trip because I stayed with a bunch of Jehovah Witnesses. So it was still a great experience. But when I got back, I was like, there's nothing else for me to do, but go to college. Yeah. So um, I took the very basic i don't know what i'm taking up in college um uh, major track. it's liberal arts liberal arts mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> You got a gr- degree in it
1: i didn't no i actually um met him and life started
0: so you so did y'all <laughs> both finish or he i finished.
2: eventually yeah i eventually finished, finished yeah a couple he of finished, years later yeah. Yeah, a few years later yeah it was a fun ride like i said i, I got involved with like black student unions african club i learned mm-hmm. a lot about you know student government and you know just in terms of just you know, sitting on boards and organizations and, yeah, it just got real acclimated into the system, the institution. Yeah.
0: yeah. So after college, what was the journey into starting the Green Love Kitchen that you okay. all have now?
1: Okay, okay, That's a whole story, yeah. Yeah, um, you want to start? <laughs> you go ahead, you go ahead. Tell your yeah, side. So, I'll jump
2: in. Yeah, because she was a Jehovah's Witness and I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, um, when we met, there was like this, you know, gray area essentially, you know, and... Speed up, just make a long story longer. I'm sh- trying to speed it up. <laughs> we met, she got pregnant. You know, a year later she gave birth, and um, we didn't speak for a while. Once again, because she had to go through the, you know, the, the protocols of being a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And I that to was stay through away. my pregnancy. Yeah, I had to stay away for a little bit, and when we got back together, why you, like why? Because I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. Because he wasn't Witness. a Jehovah's Witness. Okay.
1: So when that happened, it was. It was it was turmoil for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a culture shock for everyone. And it really shifted our relationship. We went from literally the coolest relationship that we've ever had in our whole entire lives to this atomic bomb dropping. And it was like everybody in our business and being young and and young. that's we, all we, I was you 19.
2: knew? I was 19. Mm-hmm. And, and that's was, all you knew. Yeah. That was yeah. your culture. That's the people yeah.
1: that you grew up with. You look up to them, and here they go, and they're like, we're here, and we're telling you this is not what you need to do. You can't be around him. And it became a, a situation where you're you're trying to fight your heart. And when you try to fight your heart, it just makes it gray. It, it was a gray area throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, he, he tried his best he, he called every single couple I think every two weeks he made sure he just called and he was like how you doing I don't want to cause no trouble I just want to check on you and the baby and that's it he would hang up mm. um, but yeah that that was the reason that was the only reason not because he wasn't a great person not because he was not able to take care of his child or me it was only because we shared different religions and they they deemed that acceptable
2: Mm. Unacceptable.
1: Well no, they yeah. deemed what happened
2: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah The yeah. the
1: separation of us acceptable. Yeah.
2: So eventually we did get back together. We wound up getting married. Um just us, no one knew, just uh, our daughter and you know, us two. We got yeah. married and we moved to Brooklyn, lived in the basement, I worked a couple jobs and she worked in HR and you know, once again just getting our lives, you know, trying to trying to do the right thing as young parents and not understanding like hey you know um there's no rule book essentially so we made all the mistakes that young parents made you know we we argued and we figured it out and we you know we were just living life and i took a trip to jamaica met my uncle and um i took a trip for my my grandfather's um funeral actually and my uncle was telling me about georgia and how much he loved georgia and You know, potentially starting a business in Georgia now. My uncle, he's an entrepreneur himself. He owns gas stations in Jamaica, um, Mm -hmm. land, farm. You know, he's like, you know, he's part of Yacht Club. And, you know, he's a, you know, well-to-do in society. And I kind of looked up to him, you know, um, having, not having that relationship with my father, not having a father essentially when I saw him. And it was something that I wanted to aspire, you know, to, to. Which is an entrepreneur by that time. And he was saying, hey, let's um, get some farmland and get into trucking. And this was in 2000, and I want to say, yeah, like 2008, 2009. And started taking trips to Georgia. Around that same time, um, the recession took place, right? So Mm -hmm. this was the housing crash. And uh, there was a, a stimulus package that said, hey, if you buy your first home, you the government will give you an $8,000 grant. Okay, so we pretty much pivoted from trying to get farmland to just going into real estate because yeah. the market was just so you know prime, right, for buyers. So, um, I left my job in Chase in New York because I was a banker at that time and transferred to Chase down in Georgia because Chase bought out Washington Mutual. Right, so okay. it was my job when I transferred to uh trained Washington Mutual bankers how to sell Chase products essentially. So that's what got us to Georgia. Yeah. And then when we got to Georgia, um we got we got pretty much acclimated into, you know, different communities and different ways of living, you know, so we started homeschooling our children and um we started to change our diet essentially once we got more information. So initially it was just like, hey, you know, work for Chase raise our family, do real estate on the side, you know, and take care of our health and wealth, right? So as time progressed, and I realized I didn't want to work in the bank anymore, I kind of fell out of love with, you know, doing that banking world, right? And I just wanted to be a full-time entrepreneur, wanted to write books and take care, you know, just be home with my family, essentially. And all the time, my wife was you know, um, mastering her culinary skills, you know. Mm. Then my mom moved from New York to Georgia, then my brother and my sister. So a lot of my family started coming down, too, and they lived with um, with us at the time. So it was pretty much like a natural progression, essentially. I was in a car accident in 2012, October 1st, 2012, and that's the last time I actually um, had a job, you know, like a career job. So, yeah, and I never looked back. And what I did was I said, I'm going to stay home, with the children write my books while my wife pursued her culinary arts degree you know then she went to Le Cordon Bleu and that's where yeah yeah Yeah, I was gonna ask
0: Uh I heard that you were a chef so um you went to culinary school
1: I only so Javon's mother um his sister and I Mm -hmm. started a catering company called Organically Family so we did we were catering uh vegan organic food um we, I was trying to get into government contracts, and one of the questions that they kept asking me was, what is my accolades? Like, what do you got? Mm. You know, what kind of degree you have? And I was like, okay, so if I had a degree, it doesn't matter how good the food tastes, it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So I went to Javon and I was like, okay, you know what, just so that I can get this accolade, let me just, you know, that stamp of approval, let me go into culinary school. And he's like, hey, I'm home. Um, you know, all I'm doing is I'm, I'm writing my books. So you go ahead and you do it. So it was agreed that we would basically, he would be, was it the day? What did I do? Did I do the daytime or the nighttime?
2: I think you did both. Different semesters, you did different things, essentially. Okay, but yeah. either
1: way, you it was like he would, yeah, it. he, he, felt he it, would be it, felt with the children. An hour, yeah. And then what, when I'm not in school, I would allow him to be free to go anywhere to write his books. And it was just like a, a partnership that way. And um, I did go to Le Bleu right before it closed down for good. Uh,
0: where is that, is that? Is that in It Georgia? was in
1: Tucker, yeah. It was in Tucker, Georgia. And um, one of the greatest things, it was just a confirmation. Every single chef, that um, instructor that was there was like... <laughs> I did not taste any of the meat at that time. I was completely and utterly vegan, so there was no meat tasting. There was none of that, and they were, they were slightly dumbfounded. They're like, y-. so
0: you cooked and you never tasted? I that's co- what you're saying.
1: I she couldn't I, because I,
2: she was a, yeah. We were
0: vegan at we, the time. We were completely uh-huh. vegan. So you just cooked the meal. And I this-
1: I cooked the meal by you know, and most of the time, you know, I would add it. I could t- for for some reason when it comes to sauces. I could tell when things are done. I don't have to taste it. And that was usually their thing. Like, how do you let the vegan who don't taste her meat <laughs> do it better than you? Yeah. And, I, and I had to talk to the instructor. I was like, you can't say things like that yeah. in school because then they're gonna hate on me. Just just yeah. just give me my criticism <laughs> on a paper or something. But that's one of the things that I got confirmation. Like, I really didn't need this. I didn't need this paper, but I, I let these Individuals make me think I needed it, but it was a really good foundation for me. Mm-hmm. I it, it was just confirmation I knew what I was doing. Now I just knew how to maneuver in their industry. And That's now the
0: you
1: have
2: one a thing behind it. I so do. No one You can't no, say nothing. Exactly. exactly. Magna yeah. cum laude as well. Exactly. So she, yeah. Um, but before that,
1: GPA. But
2: I I think we missed a major part so I want to give a shout out to Doctor Sabi.
0: Okay, you yeah, know, yeah.
2: yeah, and and his teachings because we that's how we learned um, about this plant based holistic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was a major shift for us when we came down here. I um I met a young brother by the name of KT, and mm-hmm. KT's mother at the um at one point in time was Dr. Savie's wife.
1: We call in her 19- Mama Pill. Yeah, we
2: call her Mama wow. Pill. Her name was Annette Annette Thomas. in the 1980s, she was the one that was actually helping Dr. Saby mm-hmm. formulate these different, um, just these different recipes to assist the, the you know, the, 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 the yeah the folks that were sick. You know, the people that had AIDS and you know cancer and all of these different debilitating diseases. She mm-hmm. was the actual one making up these recipes. So I met um, Mama Pill or Miss Annette's son, and he was like, "Hey." Let me introduce you to my mother, being that you're interested in changing your diet, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So let me introduce you to my mother, and I called Miss um, Annette, Mama Pill and she was like, "I got you. We're gonna meet at the farmers market, the calf farmers, farmers market, market mm-hmm. and we're gonna Small go." World. Yeah, 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 it's unbelievable. And mind you, at this time, Sabi wasn't like this household name, mm-hmm. you know. Like mm-hmm. no one was really talking about being vegan, eating healthy. None of it. It's just that. I heard her son talk kt speak about you know the importance of like what you put inside your mouth you know and knowing what you're putting inside your mouth and not necessarily you know what it tastes like but what mm-hmm. is it actually doing, doing for your body and that was a major shift, so we had to like you know us we went met her and she showed us, hey, this is a GMO this is a hybrid this is the difference between organic yeah. you know all of these different terminologies that coming from where we come from. It didn't like you know it it it, it was non-existent, right? Mm-hmm. This is before they had almond milk and soy mm-hmm. milk. You know there was only one <laughs> milk, whole milk, and That's you could get what? it one percent, right? You go. Or you know like there were no options essentially. So. Yeah, coming down here and that really shifted us. So yeah, we we went all in and yeah, and then and she took yeah. her
1: time. She took her time. She walked us through the whole of Decaf. She spent about two hours with us.
2: Yeah, shout out to your Decaf Farmers Market. I it's mean, a ga- it's a game changer. It was a game changer when
1: <laughs> we went in because wow, and she she helped us and. You know, I was like Javon. She gave us like the do's and the don'ts and the what to yeah, eat like and what pamphlet, not to eat. Yeah, And I looked at that. I said, "That's a lot of don'ts." I said, "What am I gonna do?" So, yeah. And yeah. that's when I think I elevated my culinary skills because I
0: mean, you had to because not a lot of options. Are just exactly. Gone, gone. Yeah.
2: off the table. And on top of that, right? Funny story. We took a trip back to New York, right? And. You know, at the time,
0: sure, no. yeah,
2: it was crazy <laughs> because you know we took that little folder, that little pamphlet with us, right? Mm-hmm. So we was like, okay, we're gonna go to New York, and we're gonna, you know, keep this strict diet with us, you know. And our family members is like, what in God's green earth did you go to Georgia and pick up? Like, you need to come move back here. It was, it was ridiculous. But it,
1: what the ridiculousness that happened was, I think we shed about. A lot of pounds. fifteen pounds yeah. or twenty pounds Naturally, each yeah. with
0: the with the diet.
1: You can, just, well, yeah. just the life.
2: Yeah. yeah, just changing the way that we eat. Yeah.
1: And as you can see, we're not really thick people, so therefore mm-hmm. it we looked thin. Yeah. Thin. So when we got down there, everyone was like, y'all okay. Yeah, like, just let thick. us know. Just let us know. Blink twice if you need help. Like something like that." They yeah. were so concerned. His mom was just like, "What is?" my son into and explain that to me because I want to know because I know you're going to follow him into any nonsense. So tell me what y'all doing and then we showed them the green folder. She was like, what is this? Nonsense? What
2: is this? And then it was like, at least just feed my, feed my grandbabies That's some it. food. Give like,
1: them some oxtails, some meat. Yeah, you like, do yeah. what y'all want.
2: Yeah, y'all can eat how y'all want but at least feed my grandbabies, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it was that kind of a situation. So I want to touch on that. You, you know, like that was a major changing point for us. It
0: so. was. So, um... You brought the point of Dr. CB. My dad yeah. is heavy into that. Okay. You know, he's vegan. Okay. Uh, I think going on for five years now.
1: Okay. Solid.
0: Okay, I had my own experience with the whole weight loss thing because yeah. I tried it out for about three months with him. Yeah. Like my whole family did. We threw away all the meat that we had in the house. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. I went from like 180 to like 165, you know? <laughs> and I, I tried to start doing the diet again. Yeah. Uh, when I just came when moved from DC, uh, but I don't I don't feel like I can jump right into veganism. Yes. Being so the approach I want to take is doing pescatarian. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so That's what I'm doing right now. Yes. Another you know, the seafood as well as a Absolutely. vegetarian diet, trying to get out any animal products as I can. But you know, just seeing y'all's story. Yeah. You know, it's, it is inspiring. You know, to just try to. Yeah. Hop back into it, and maybe y'all give some ideas. Absolutely, yeah,
1: absolutely,
0: yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely.
1: Also, we're 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 mostly plant based. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I say that is we sometimes eat fish, if if salmon, if we want to, or a snapper. Just make sure that it's actually wild. And one of the things that I do say to everyone that's always transitioning: don't judge yourself. Mm. Go with what you think your body needs at this point.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of information, and some of it, you know, if, you, if you're if you not careful, it could harm you, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, just making sure, doing what, you know, doing the right research, taking your time. And, and what feels like, like, right. Yeah, like my wife said, whatever feels right, you know. So even at Green Love Kitchen, we still serve meat. So we still serve salmon. That's the only yeah. meat that we sell. Everything else is like actual vegetables, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we try not to do, like, highly processed You know, foods or what have you. So, you know, when we first opened Green Love Kitchen, half the menu had meat Mm -hmm. in it. You know, we used to sell, like, chicken. Jerk chicken. Yeah, jerk chicken subs and things like that, you know. That's the furthest, the, the chicken and the fish. And then we'll have the other half will be, like, Raw vegetables Plant-based, and, you know, yeah. salads and things like that wrapped. So we understood that our community, we just wanted to introduce a healthier option in our community. You know, that was mm-hmm. the basis of us opening up the the, um, the restaurant, you know, just introducing it and let the people make, a, a you know, a educated decision. You know, like, hey, at least you have an alternative to the McDonald's and to the other, you know, franchises of the world that are not really providing anything good for your body, you know?
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So, um what's what's your input on when people try to imitate the taste of meat with through vegetables? It's
2: a good thing. I I think I think it allows um for creativity, right? It allows for you know that that because it's it's strict, right? Having that, you know, that that lack or that limitation within what you can eat, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, quote, unquote. And in that space, if you could just, yeah, put your flavor in it, right? You know, you're from Louisiana, y'all got f- plenty of yeah. flavor. You know, the <laughs> gumbos and the Creole spices, and you add that to, you know, your vegetables and make it taste good. I mean, that's you know? what makes it
0: hard. the, the <laughs> lifestyle change because where you're from. Uh yeah Going back home, yeah
2: everything over there is <laughs> exactly heavy meat right yeah. exactly. <laughs> same thing in Jamaica the oxtails like my wife exactly. said the goats and the chickens and yeah and yeah.
1: for me I do believe I, I agree with what Javon says but I also would like people to do their research I want everyone when you are changing into a different lifestyle always understand what that means once it passes into your body and what it does. That is all I, I ever say to anyone. If you would like this, the same way if they say don't do too much meat, don't do too much processed anything, you know? I would rather you just go over there and go to a farmer, a black owned farmer that does get chicken eggs, and beef yeah, and all of that yeah. and you get that before you just do those processed food because we had to go through that process of transition where it's like process, 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 process and um, even with the with Miss Annette, she was like, You can't do process, you know? And it became like extremely strict and it became extremely limiting and it did become disheartening, but I did understand what she said. But my thing is just do your research.
2: Yeah. Always and, and do your research. And then add to that, I think what I stress to the customers a lot is that you know know how to detox mm-hmm.
1: you know, know how detox. to
2: cleanse your body there's many ways to detox but the idea is to like release toxins mm-hmm. you know um, get the toxins out your body or give yourselves a break reset your tongue essentially right so if you're constantly drinking juice or eating salty foods once you detox which is like drinking you know um, two gallons of water a day and you know, taking prune juice, like there's different ways to do it, but okay. like just take herbs and flush out your system, essentially. Give your colon a cleanse, flush out your system, and it oh, it creates a reset, mm-hmm. you know, it, it resets your, your palate. So now when you eat this thing that's salty, you're going to taste how salty it is, or you drink that juice that's really sweet, you know, so it's like, oh, okay, I've been drinking it, but my body's so hardwired to it, I didn't even realize how sweet or salty mm-hmm. it that's was. That's
0: crazy. So like... yeah. We become sens- sensory like blind, pretty much. Certainly, because I, I do understand that yeah. aspect though, because whenever you stop eating meat, but then you jump back into it, because I, I went from stopping to jump back into it, yeah, and it makes you feel awful. It makes mm-hmm. the, your stomach, stomach. Everything
2: has to readjust, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And I've read things that we're not even as humans, carn- carnivorous like you know organisms. Yeah. Our our teeth structure. Yeah. Is mainly meant for veg- vegetation. Absolutely. You know, and absolutely. I also want to ask where do you think the the mindset of I guess the diet that a lot of people possess today comes from of holding on to it and not um seeing the benefit of veganism or not wanting to transition.
1: Well, uh, so for me what I do see is culturally and just because we were we were hunters and gatherers, that's what we did, and then we were enslaved, and they gave us the bare minimums. We always had to the scraps, yeah. the scraps, and the things that they didn't want. We always had to make do with what they was available to us, right? So because we've been so conditioned, and we've we've made it taste really good, we can't front.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, finger licking good, and. The way that we're able to do things like that, it's already hardwired in us. Those, those tastes become psychologically a way for us to feel good. So now we associate the taste of our food with our feeling. And when, when that happens, it's hard to just let it go. Because now it does become a depressing thing if you know, you're, you're eating the food and it's no longer bringing those nostalgic memories of home, yeah. your grandmother being in the kitchen like sometimes you could close your eyes and smell some biscuits and you're like, I remember dot, 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 you yeah. know? And when you switch into a different pattern of life, you take that, you take that emotion away, it becomes disheartening. It's like, traumatizing I don't do almost. it no more. It's like yeah. you just snatched my whole childhood away. So I think that's one of the main reasons. If we can, if we could, that's why I say transition yourself into a new way of life. Cause that, that snatching, it really does hurt psychologically. It, it bothers. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's a physical, it's an actual a physiological effect, mm-hmm. you know, on the body, like my wife said, on the mind. And at this point, you know, I think after all of these years, we always tell people, like my wife said, go with what you know, you know. But like I said, just know how to detox, know how to reset. And if you choose to eat meat, you know, um, for whatever reason you choose to eat meat, go for it, you know. But just know that, It's not like before, you know, where you knew who the the butcher was. You get what I'm saying? Like, you knew where your milk was coming from. You knew, you know, like, there was that that, that shortened supply chain where you were more in control. Like, you knew you could pick this plant. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, That's the part I think is most important, getting hyper-local, you know. Knowing the source of what you're putting in your body and knowing what that thing is doing for you, you know. And like you said, we were... You know, we were taught to think that meat was just our, our standard diet, mm-hmm. whatever the American Diet Association I mean, said. mean,
0: teach that through schools. Yeah, the American diet,
2: the, the, the pyramid, right? Yeah. The guys, I oh, remember that. now it's that a plate. It's a plate it's now. A plate, huh? Yeah, they, they done switched it up <laughs> on us. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and it's, and it's just one of those things that as you get older, you start believing in Santa Claus, right? Mm-hmm. So you start you start questioning everything that was taught to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our customers, you know, um, they're not vegans, you know, some of the people are just trying it out. They're curious. You know, um, they watch a documentary on Netflix, right? You know, there's more information available in terms of, you know, the, the, the slaughtering process, mm-hmm. you know, and how that, that trauma is transferred, you know, to through, the meat. To the meat. Yeah. And then we eat that meat. You get and what it I'm it, saying?
0: It brings down your emotion.
2: Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. And it, and it creates a, um, carcinogenic, you know, uh, effects to your body. So it's actually harming you. You know, eating this meat, essentially. So that those are those um, relationships, those symbiotic relationships that sometimes, once again, the, the average customer is not, they don't care about, they don't have time, they just want to get some food and go. You know, they're just eating on the go. But over time, it has an impact, effect on your health, you mm-hmm. know, your overall outlook on life. Like, how are you going to be optimal, you know? So, yeah, I mean, when an animal eats the meat... Right. They're not cooking it. They're not yeah. seeing, they're not putting it in the freezer, putting it away. You know, they're just eating it raw right there, you know. So I mean, they're
0: they're they're built to do that. Yeah. We don't eat raw meat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Our diet our our intestinal lines is like thirty feet long, where the average animal is much shorter. Mm. You know, so it, it's able to just come in, you know, go in and, and go, go out. And the body just takes what it needs and just, just you know, yeah. waste, yeah, get rid of the. Waist. And ours
1: just sit. It just sits. It sits and, and it rots. Sits and it, rots. <laughs> it has to rot first before it comes out. Yeah, and, and then, it's difficult yeah. for your body to just hold all of that. That's that's weight because the more mm-hmm. you keep putting on, it's not like the other one passes through. No, some whatever needs to pass through. Once it's done with it, it passes through. There you go.
2: There but you go.
1: the ones that needs to rot first, it stays and it keeps mounting. So that's why he said, um, learn how to detox. When you learn how to detox, that is what's going to help. I remember in our country, before school starts, bitters. you get bitters and you fighting for that bathroom. You are cleansing your life away. Whatever you had that summer. It it's so, like, yeah, yeah 70, they're like bush tea. Yeah, bush, it's yeah. like bush tea. They go to the back. They brewing that tea. You try to run away, and you are not getting away.
0: That's like Caribbean thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. I th- but it's African. You okay, know? yeah, country's yeah. just
0: taking over. There you go. And there Asians
1: go. do it. And it's like because we were stripped of our heritage and our, our, our country. Most
2: of us, yeah. Most
1: of us, yeah. We, um, when we got here and, and became African Americans, they didn't teach us that. They were a slave owner. They didn't care what happened to us but if we remembered these kind of things like our caribbean parents they never stopped
0: it's a western ideology it's yeah absolutely it, cleansing
1: was uh every what 6 months 3 yeah. to 6 month thing like you I were clean whether you wanted to or not your mama was going to give you the bitters <laughs> and you were going to hold your nose and drink it all in front of them
2: exactly you had no choice you had no choice <laughs> Yeah so it was just getting back to those you know old practices you that's, know That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So like I said we don't judge folks what they eat just know how to how cleanse to take your body. It out. Yeah, mm-hmm. how to how
0: cleanse to take your body. It out. Yeah. I mean that's that's a shock to me like I never thought like that was a cultural aspect because I'm sure that's a cultural thing like yeah. you said it's a periodic thing that 3 to 6 months you got to cleanse like I'm sure multiple Yeah. countries around the world do that but that's Absolutely. like I said it's a western ideology with the whole diet and not cleansing. There you go. And just... It's about
2: capitalism, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it's just about making money so you can pay your bills. Like, it's just everything is predicated on money. You know, you can go get the supersized version of food. You get what I'm saying? It's yeah. not... You know, the, the, yeah, that's it. It's all predicated they on to profit. when get other
1: countries, the there's no such thing as supersized. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: It's only here we get supersized.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not large... I,
1: it looks like a... Uh, I mean, they're large... Our large, well, no, their large large is a smaller medium.
2: Exactly, exactly, so that's it. So
1: we need to cleanse the most on this side. We Mm -hmm. are heavily processed. There's just so many chemicals that the FDA has approved that has been banned all over the world, so the cleansing is something that is so important. That we stress. Yeah, we stress So important. That's just, that's got me. Thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But
0: uh, what's the premise behind Green Love? Green
1: what's Love the, Kitchen? okay. The, well, the reason why we started Green Love and the reason why we definitely started in our... We only live, what, seven minutes away from Green Love. We used to drive to the West End all the time. When we were on our journey, it was like we going all the way over there. We're going far just to get this kind of food. And Javon and I sat down and we said, okay, why don't we just convert this catering into a full-on restaurant. And we said, okay, well I said, we're the greens, we love to cook, and this That's is our your kitchen.
2: Last name? Yeah, green. Yeah, green. The is the last night. Yeah, green. Love kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> now yeah. it's now it's coming together. <laughs> yeah, it with V. You know. Yes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and it's like the movement, the green movement, right? Yeah. So we try to be sustainable as possible. Yes. You know, and my wife, um, like my wife and my mother, right? The two of mm-hmm. them, they got into that kitchen. So when my mom moved down here, and she was living with us, we told her like, hey. We know how you like to cook, but you're in our house, and we don't want to um, tempt our children, et cetera, et cetera. So can you please not eat that or cook that here, right? So she was all for it. She changed her diet as well. And while we were doing the catering company, Organically Family, at the time, most of our clients, they were, like, from Buckhead or, like, most most affluent neighborhoods. They didn't
1: look like us either.
2: Exactly. So we said, you know, we didn't understand why. You know, so we said, hey, let's... Find find a you know um, a, a case study or do some research. Find some information. Why is this? You know why our people don't want to switch their diets up? Essentially, right? And we hired a company. Um, these two sisters, um, creative, creative thinkers, creative thinkers. Yes. And we had several sessions, and they did research. And at the time, we learned about um, our community. It was called uh, food insecurity zones. Mm-hmm. And food insecurity and zones. F- food insecurity zones. And it's all about timing. It was an
1: initiative that was bought on by Michelle, Michelle Obama. Obama.
2: Michelle Obama actually started a, a, a food initiative, you know. To, for to, food
1: to, deserts. Yeah,
2: for food deserts. So food insecurity zones are all across the country, right? And mm-hmm. for those that don't know what a food insecurity zone is, it's when you have um, pretty much no access to fresh fruits and vegetables in, in like a two to five square mile walking distance right so there's no access so a person can't go and get fresh fruits and vegetables one on top of that there's an influx of fast food restaurants
0: in the area in yes. that
2: same area oh we know that's about <laughs> yeah what I'm saying mm-hmm. so that that food insecurity zone what they did was correlated to a lot of different studies like you know crime poverty um, Disease. diseases and Deaths. things of that nature right? Um, yeah, food-related diseases and deaths. So we realized that we were in a food insecurity zone, you know, in Lathonia, Georgia it was a food insecurity zone amongst other communities, our communities, right, underserved communities. So my wife, like my wife said, we understood that there was, you know, there's options outside of our communities but not in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, even education disparities, right, uh, if we can't get a, a decent meal, you know then we can't think straight etc So we said we're going to go to our community and what came out that study was, you know, different ways that we can educate our community. Mm-hmm. Um started off with pop-up shops, C- CSA programs, which is like um working with farmers essentially and having these uh farmers markets and things of that nature as well as holistic healing, so the yoga and the and, and exercise, exercise groups. groups and things of that nature. So That was just the initiative, you know, like that we said we're going to do a brick and mortar and we're going to start in our community. Mm. Mm. And that's where, you know... And that's where
1: Green Love started. Yeah, and the universe
2: Mm. pretty much conspired on our our behalf because we didn't know where we were going to get this brick and mortar. We didn't know where the money was going to come from to outfitted and et cetera, but everything just kind of synced and lined up that way. So when the opportunity presented itself, we knew what the numbers and disparities were. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, right, it was like it didn't make sense for us to go into an underserved community where the medium and, income oh. is only 25000 you know, because most, most um, times when you eat healthy, it costs a little bit exactly. more.
0: Yeah.
2: Right? So we said we're still going to go in this community. So the, the initial goal wasn't about money. It was like making a profit by making a difference in our own community, in our backyard. And yeah, six, seven, seven years later, you know, we're, we're still there. We're
1: still there, and people, people would come in. And I think even now, when our when people started coming in the first time, it was like, yeah, this ain't gonna be here a while. Right. Like they, yeah, we have people that still come in today. They are like y'all still
2: here yeah i mean so <laughs> every year we would change our menu like i said we, we started off with half vegan and half meat so we would get the meat eaters to come in <laughs> just so that we could teach them <laughs> just so we could yeah, expose them because that was part of the mission like just exposing
1: so how'd you go
0: about that if they're ordering meat
1: well, it we, was cold cuts it, it was, was like, cold it, yeah. we we started off with cold cut subs. And and uh, salads, our kale salads. We've always had our kale salads. And what we used to say is, you know, we even would say, here, here, try, try this. this. Yep. We would give okay. it. We would just give it. And um, we would say, hey, your bread is uh, is organic. Your meat is um, pesticide free. Your cheese is hormone free. We tried to educate our
2: community, our community you know? that
1: way. And when that would happen, you would see the difference. You would see them start, like, they're like, who? They're like, vegan what? And then we would start to elaborate. Or we would start telling them the reason why we were here. Yeah, And that would be the, the, the I guess, the fuel for them to start asking more questions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's, yeah. That,
1: was, that was fun, is like when they would come in. and they, Or we would have our juices, because we used to make fresh-made juice. And they would not know what sorrow was.
0: Yeah, uh, this hibiscus.
2: Yeah, hibiscus. Yeah, so it was it was once again a, a learning moment. It was it was a, a super learning moment, right? Because we understand that hibiscus is high in iron, right? Mm-hmm. So we used to teach people like iron is good for your blood.
1: Absolutely.
2: You know, and, and this is going to help. You know, just just pretty much educate people about what they're putting into their body,
1: which helped us teach them that the color. Correlates with what you're looking for. So yeah. if it's if it's orange, it's
2: beta carotene. It's beta carotene.
1: Right? You got like or vitamin C. The, if it's red, it has a lot to do with your blood or vitamin A. Like we were able to start teaching them that because they didn't think about that. But what the, uh, his mother's sorrow recipe used to have because it used to have different spices. It used to also have tamarind in it,
2: which is packed with phosphorus and
1: but the beauty about that is, yes, we're giving you this sub, but when you take this sorrow, it's, it's also a cleanser. So they would be like, yo, I don't know what happened, but, you know, I, let me get two of these. Because they were like, yo, it cleared me all the way out. There you go. And we're like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. That's why Caribbeans have these form of juices. It's it's like, you know, we're we're hiding the fact that Yes, we're gonna make it taste good, but we need you to cleanse. There so go. we're gonna hit you with
2: some good cleanse. <laughs> yeah, the medicine and they used to it. come
1: yep. and by five. Starting from not even knowing what sorrow is. And now they're like, where that sorrow at? Yeah. So I it support. was good. Mm-hmm. It was so it was it was a joyful experience to see that.
2: Yeah, and, and, and at the same time, right, as we were educating the people, we were um we were realizing that more information was coming out. Mm. About you know what was in the food and the, you know and, and it was a perfect time for it. it yeah, was. so we so we made a decision, an executive decision, to say we're gonna completely do away with you know the, the chicken part. and mm-hmm. the meat part, right, as well as the the dairy because we had a, like a mac and cheese, uh-huh. you know.
1: Lines.
2: Yeah, lines for that mac, <laughs> for that mac what and I cheese. Get, I get that.
0: Um,
1: the smoked gouda mac
0: and cheese. No, 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 no I get a. I get a Thai wrap, spicy, spicy thai, thai, thai wrap, yeah, wrap. spicy so Thai wrap, yeah. and it's
2: a raw wrap, and it has cilantro, which is packed with, you know, what you need to get the metals out of your, your body. You know, you know, we have harmful metals like aluminum and mercury, right? So the cilantro helps cleanse that without you even knowing it, because it tastes so good, you know. Mm. So yeah, yeah,
1: and that's why in Indian cultures as well as in Filipino cultures, you see a heavy usage of cilantro. Yeah. And as well Even as the Hispanic yeah. culture. It's like because they know these it's what is it? Um, Baba George was telling us about pokey, was it a pokey salad? Poke salad. Poke salad. Poke. Yeah, Down poke. here. I never poke. knew about poke salad. But well, it's a it's
2: is. it
1: yeah. it's a it's a herb that helps with cleansing and we're getting rid of all these things that are but apparently, if you don't pick it at the right time, it could also be poisonous. Exactly, it's crazy, right? But that's what we do, and in, in our culture, we know how to cleanse, and that's the best thing for us to continue doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's the and that's the that's the like I said, the mission of the restaurant, you know, just mm-hmm. to give our community a healthy. Option, but not just a healthy option, but a good tasting healthy option, you know, and obviously providing jobs and providing great customer service and everything else that goes in between that. So,
0: yeah. Y'all think y'all start making chains? It, uh,
2: it's a possibility. Absolutely, I, I think so. People have asked us to, you know. We're but, open to it. Yeah, but We're we definitely open. But to we want to make sure our mission stays the same, like going to communities that need it the most. It you can't know? be
1: up in Buckhead. They yeah. have enough
2: yeah options they have know.
1: enough options um our main objective is to give our community or communities that actually are considered food desert and um
0: food oasis food yeah. oasis yeah. they
1: need these kind of things
0: so it's past monetary it, it has to be just
1: yeah it it can't be monetary yeah. it can't be just like this is not. We're not gonna make bank off of this green love. Restaurants are the hardest business to open. Yeah. It is not. It is not something that's easy, and it is not something that you take um, very carelessly. Restaurant. You probably industry, make it look easy. It, it, you probably make it look easy. You <laughs> yeah, can make it look but easy, but it's yeah. really not. You carry a lot of um, liability. Uh, you carry a lot of stress. It is one of the most being a. a chef to begin with is it is one of the most difficult jobs because you're there for long hours but being a chef and being a restaurant owner like that is something that is very difficult and it's not about the money it's actually about the education and making sure my objective in life is to make sure my people in the culinary world know what it feels like to be understood taken care of and given their respect in the food sector I'm not going to feed you something that I wouldn't eat myself. I'm not going to purchase something that I know that will definitely kill you or that will make you sick. I can't because I need my people to understand what food luxury looks like. It can't be a situation where it's constantly in other communities. Mm -hmm. So my main objective in life is when it comes to this food, you're going to know what luxury feels like and I'm going to give you the most um flavorful and sourced ingredients that you've nutritious. ever mm-hmm. and very nutritious. Mm-hmm. I'm not about that life when I'm giving my people half. I don't. We going we're going for we're not going at all.
2: There
0: you go. There you go. Right. Yeah. So <coughs> what are some future business plans uh, revolving around Green Love's Kitchen?
2: So uh just last week we were talking to a co packer and uh, just looking to get our, our sauces, essentially, you know, on the shelves and doing some e-commerce as well as cookbooks and, you know, video tutorials. When coronavirus, COVID-19 happened, we yeah. Had, yeah, everyone was DMing us, you know, on, like, hey, can you do some tutorials? meal plans. Meal plans because we don't know what to do because you guys are closed now. So, yeah, those are some things. So, right now, just getting the sauces and, you know, on the shelves and online for now and then work our way up
0: everything else yeah okay that's cool -hmm. um but last question of the day um i remember you said javon you mentioned that you joined a lot of black uh student organizations. yes uh in college so what influenced that was it racial uh experiences that you had growing up or
2: yeah absolutely so like i said um my father he was shot and killed, actually, you know, um, in Jamaica. And uh, growing up in the ghetto, right in America, it's like it's normal to see that. It's normal to see a one household, you know, a one parent household, and it's usually the mother um, doing everything. So when I was I was typically raised by the streets. The streets raised me, and yeah. you know, I, I was I was traumatized by you know police violence you know, rest of that young ages in high school. I did go to three, four different high schools, several programs, and you know, there was no way out, essentially. And a lot of us, you know, um, underserved communities, there is no way out, right? So m- for me, when I got to college, I was still somewhat of a knucklehead, like I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do in life, but I just, once again, I went to school for business because I always felt like entrepreneurship was just the right thing for me and um, when i met my wife and she got pregnant at the time before she was my wife it kind of made me straighten up so i started just getting more involved you know just in terms of like not just doing the thing just to do it but understand why i'm doing it my purpose in life and i feel strong you know just being a community servant you know so when I always say, you know, the work that I do for Green Love Kitchen is um, community service for me, right? Mm -hmm. Most times we hear that term community service is something that's forced upon you because of an infraction. You got locked up or you got a ticket, you need to do community service. But I do community service because I'm a servant. I have to give back naturally. It's just in my nature. When when I worked for the bank, you know, um, I was privy to information that... People from my community was not privy to financial literacy. You know how to read bank statements, how to you know um, utilize credit cards and build your credit so you can put yourself and your family in a better position. Insurances, annuities, you know, investment vehicles—all of the, the, the full spectrum. And I felt like I had to do community service in that way, way too. So, once again, you know, when I was just in college, you know, I just saw, I just felt the need to like, how can I give back and I remember I did a, I was asked for some reason, I don't know why they felt I could do a speech, but they asked me to do a speech for Martin Luther King, right, um, celebration, and it was a panel discussion, and in my speech, I remember, like, I had a paper and I, and I wrote some stuff down, but at the end, I kind of just started going off the top of my head because I was passionate about, you know, it wasn't just, you know, the work that Martin Luther King did, right, but... It was more or less like okay, understanding the the environment that that created a Martin Luther King, yeah, right, and that will create many more Martin Luther Kings, and just knowing what we're up against, you know, um, the struggle that we're up against, and we're still up against now. So it it was just one of those things where it was like it led from that speech to say, hey, you want to join? Um, you want to become a student governor? And my first position was um, programs and events. So I did events and and. and and LaGuardia. You were
1: some cool events. Yeah, so I- You had the best DJ. So
2: I had my friend, um, my man (laughs) DJ Darby, my man John. Like, we grew up together, right? But now I'm sitting on this board, and I had a budget. And I said, hey, I need a DJ for this event. So I called him. And he came, and he DJed for us several events. Several. Caterers, right? So I learned a little. I learned the back office, essentially, administrative work. I sat on student um, student review boards, ten year master planning for the, for LaGuardia. You know, just getting involved a little bit more. And
1: oh, don't forget, he was um he was also on the train station. He was he was publicized. He was the face of like um uh, not like LaGuardia. Don't know, LaGuardia. Yeah. We still have the poster today. Yeah, I wound up, He yeah. And I remember Gabby being in, um, in a stroller. Our eldest,
2: daughter.
1: Yeah. Our eldest in a stroller. And there was this guy sitting, and her dad was up there. And she popped her head up, and she said, that's my daddy. And the guy's like, I'm, I'm not your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, that's my daddy. And the guy's like, I'm not her daddy. And I said, no, sir, that's her dad right there behind you.
0: And, on the poster. Yeah, yeah, on the poster. And <laughs> yeah.
1: he became the face because um, he could have been counted out, but he stopped counting himself out. Mm. You know, the things that we have been through can count us out most of the time, but when he realized that he was more than what people saw in him, he stopped counting himself out. And that's when everybody saw who Javon truly was
2: yeah 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 so yeah i mean i i i I feel strongly that we're all here for service you know to do good work and and it's not for your own self it's your own gain it's really for the gain of the of the you know the community yeah the the community the tribes the whole yes there you go and i and i do sit on boards now for latonia as well you know so i'm i'm the vice chair of the downtown development authority for latonia as well as the the president of the latonia business association Okay. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. Bringing resources Traveling. back to the community. Yeah, yes, sir. yeah. Give thanks.
0: Um, but you also mentioned how uh, your environment communities can make um, another Martin Luther King. Yeah. You think we'll see another one of those? Absolutely. Um, I, I
2: so the whole thing is, it's like we see different movements, right? The, what's the latest? Black Lives Matter, I mean, right? I
0: would, I would, I was referring to that because this yeah. Is, this has to be deemed as a civil rights movement absolutely you know, in the history books but
2: it's a leaderless movement right that's what i'm saying yeah
0: we don't have that uh that icon yeah you know
2: and and it's a gift and a curse right because we as a people we need somebody to look up to something to inspire us right mm-hmm. and at the same time we also have to empower ourselves look ourselves in the mirror and be that change that we want to see so you know with the advent of social media you know everyone has an opportunity to stand up and and have a voice so it's like I said it's a good thing you know but once again it's like Colin Kaepernick at one point because he kneeled he was put in that position where he was a face right and then there's other people that are faces but ultimately it's a leaderless movement you know it's not about the one individual Um, at the time like I said um, where we come from we we don't aspire to you know to to what what is it bas- sports like right? basketball entertainment music yeah. you know so anything outside of that we don't see ourselves as that mm-hmm. right Barack Obama gave us another you know way to look at ourselves like hey we can become the president of the United States of America you know that's a strong possibility and I think that's what I'm saying it's like that 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 Martin Luther King.
0: It was a different time yeah
2: yeah and then also he was a martyr you know he sacrificed his life and you know there was you know anyone that knows the Willie Lynch story right they um our oppressors like to set examples like okay you want to be this guy this is what's going to happen to you mm. you know um Caleb Muhammad Dr. Khaled Muhammad he was a leader you know in our time he did the the million youth march and he came up on the Minister Farrakhan, right, Louis yeah. Farrakhan, he was the leader in the, in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, so we had our different leaders, essentially. However, I, I feel like, like you just said, this Black Lives Matter movement has created, you know, um, individuals that empower themselves and their communities to, to make a change. You know, so yeah, I mean, these are different times, unprecedented. Who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. next, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. You get what I'm saying? because <laughs> you're next up, it's your time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I haven't done any work within the community in regards to like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, but i I try to use my podcast to advocate and put people's voice out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. that's yeah.
2: everything. this is this is media. Yeah. Media is right. It's, it's one of those. Uh, are you familiar with Dr. Claude Anderson?
0: Poweronomics? Heard the name.
2: Yeah, he speaks about the importance of just um, being able to control media and a narrative, right? You know, this is how Hitler was able to galvanize, you know, people, you know, because of the, he was able to control media. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they call it the propaganda, essentially. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, man, this is huge. This is huge. Having a podcast. And it's a dope one at that. You get what I'm Y'all saying? <laughs> 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 Bringing real content, you know, for real people. You know, that's it. Yeah. Yes,
0: sir. It's ma'am. But. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Congratulations. Big thanks.
2: Big
0: thanks. Well, that will conclude today's episode. That was the Lunchtime for the Podcast. It was a special one. It was a great one. Had a lot of pointed information from two individuals, two real people. And so any, any last and final remarks?
1: i um, i just I just want to say peace and green love and thank you thank you for having us yeah definitely I appreciate
2: it. definitely definitely looking forward to you know like you said what the future holds you know um mm-hmm. just know that you know becoming an, being an entrepreneur is not easy, right um everyone has a job to do, you know, from washing dishes to all the way you know writing the checks you know, and entrepreneurship is not for everybody um this life, that, that service life, that servant life, it's sacrifices involved and not knowing what the future holds is like walking in the dark, mm-hmm. but you have to walk with faith and just know that the universe, the most high, you know, someone else, our ancestors, they're pushing us, you know, we're walking on their, you know, we're standing on their shoulders, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So just keep going forward with anything that she, that inspires you. Yes. There you go, sir.
0: Alright, that was Lunchtime Food Read Podcast, y'all. Peace. Peace. Peace.